Man, yeah, God's amazing. Wow, I actually feel like if it's okay, could we just keep pressing into that for a minute more? Cool. So I feel specifically, uh, I felt like the Lord was starting to just break. I just saw cracks in walls, and specifically walls around disappointments, around discouragements, around things that, that have not yet been rocked by the hope of who God is. Does anyone feel cracks like that already during worship? <laughs> you can raise your hand. I won't make you come up. <laughs> okay, if you did. Um, if you actually feel comfortable, um, go ahead and kneel. I'm going to, but you don't have to if you don't want to. You can do whatever. You can dance. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to ask us just to pray, um, especially if you're someone who just raised your hand or thought about raising your hand about feeling like the Lord was putting cracks in a wall that, that the enemies built up around discouragement. If you would, we're, we're all just going to pray out loud at once. It'll be maybe awkward, but it'll be okay. Um, and especially if you felt the Lord doing that, I want you to just declare that over the others around you. Um, you don't have to have elegant words. Jesus is doing it, so we just agree with him. You ready? All right. Wow, Jesus, thank you, thank you. <laughs> Jesus, go ahead and pray out loud. Jesus, thank you for breaking walls, my gosh. Wow, Jesus, we just send more fissures, more fissures. feel like he's accelerating us. You don't have to hit the gas pedal or know where it is. <laughs> but as he's accelerating us, it's almost like the wind is just putting more cracks in the windshield of that, of that wall. <laughs> he's just opening up gates of praise into spaces that have not yet been rocked by the hope of God. So Jesus, we just speak more of your hope. We release more of your hope, your radical hope that is beyond, way above our reason and, reason and logic. Jesus, we don't need to understand what you're doing. We just agree with it. Wow. I feel like he's putting us, as we, as, we just, as we just submit joyfully to him, it's like we are under him. It's so beautiful because if anything is over us, like a discouragement, it's also under his feet if we're under him. Yeah, Jesus, we just place ourselves under you. Jesus. Wow. Man. Let's just stay here one minute more or so. Jesus, when we don't know what to do, when, we, when things are out of our control, when discouragement feels like it's way above our head, we just rejoice that we can dance under your feet, that you lift us up and you leave that discouragement under your feet. Jesus, you, you crush the head of the enemy. We don't have to know how to do it. 
Wow, Jesus. Oh, thank you, Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen isn't over. Amen is like, so be it. And so continue to be it. God's so good. Man. Wow. If you, were, if you were in your emotions and in your heart and spirit just feeling an encounter with the Lord, then as, as I talk, just keep releasing that over those around you. If you weren't feeling anything, then that is totally fine. Often we don't pick up with our emotion or our like earthly bodies what God's doing, and that's okay. So um, just continue to be open to receive. I gave Matt full, uh, full rights to, to, he feels like Holy Spirit puts monkey wrenches in his back pocket to just throw him. <laughs> so he's gonna do that. <laughs> um, that'd be awesome. He's like always doing that. <laughs> wow. Part of what I feel like God's just been rocking me with the last, last like two days especially, is it, he's been adding to what I've been learning about childlikeness from the Psalms. And he added in the last like day and a half or whatever, how long it's been, <laughs> um, he added spiritual warfare to that. And I feel like what he wanted, was nudging me to emphasize tonight was the way that childlikeness has everything to do with us overcoming as, as victors in Jesus' army. Um, those things don't often go together. I, I was reminded of this phrase um, that I heard from this guy, Lance Walnow, years ago. Um, uh, he talked about uh, the Psalms and, and, and killer sheep, <laughs> which is obviously a, a contradiction in a beautiful way. And I think God is so into paradox. So, so warfare, childlike warfare is like that, that we can overcome what the enemy might be doing over there or here or whatever. It's like not a thing <laughs> when we submit ourselves joyfully to Jesus and when we give up our right to understand. Man, God's so good. <laughs> um, so s- Psalm 8 is where, where I'm going to be a little bit tonight. If you, if you have a Bible... Um, Go ahead and open to Psalm 8. I would love if we could start, um, or if you have it in your, in your mind or on your phone, just pull that out. Um, if we could just start with you guys just, just reading aloud from different translations. How many have like NIV? That, okay, cool. Would you mind, Susie, reading that in a second? Okay, how many have like, uh, like living translation? Someone else raise your hand. Hi. Okay, or the, what, some other translation, not NIV. Okay, great, cool. Another one? Perfect. Maybe one more? Different one? Oh, sweet. Thanks. Okay. So um, we'll just go in the order that I, that I pointed to you guys. If you could just read out um, Psalm 8, verses 1, 2, and 3 um, really loud so we could all hear it. Yeah, that's perfect. It's perfect. Yeah. Oh Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babes and infants, you have established 
Isn't that amazing? <laughs> I, have, I have one more. This is, this is Passion Translation. I just clicked out of it. <laughs> Here it is. And um, Lord, your name is so great and powerful. People everywhere see your splendor. Your glorious majesty streams from the heavens, filling the earth with the fame of your name. You have built a stronghold by the songs of babies. Strength rises up with the chorus of singing children. This kind of praise has the power to shut Satan's mouth. Childlike worship will silence the madness of those who oppose you. There, there was a, our daughter Lois is the one who ran up here a few times. Maybe she stepped on your toe, sorry. <laughs> um, my wonderful wife Dottie is back there also. Um, she is amazing <laughs> and beautiful and brilliant. Um, we, um, we recently, uh, lost a pregnancy, some of you know, and we're praying with us. That's something that, even as we were talking about it yesterday, I, neither of us understand. There, there are dimensions of we go to war against something, and it could be something like what we're experiencing. It could be something like sickness in your body. We battle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. And, and at Jericho, like God had all these people, really, really childlike, march around the walls and blow trumpets and shout, <laughs> and walls came down. Lois, our daughter, taught us so much in that time. And I, I know that she was like running around the house, like her feet are really fast, <laughs> that she was like trampling on discouragement. <laughs> and that she continues to do that. It is like miraculous what kids do. And I think, I think we, in so many ways, are called to be like that. That's what's in Psalm 8. It's what's in the way that Jesus talked about kids constantly. <laughs> that, like, they could come and sit at his feet. <laughs> wow. Like, what if we worship that way? So this connection between childlikeness, warfare, and, and worship is, is what I feel like the Lord is putting in my heart and, and teaching me about. <laughs> and like I was saying, we could war against sickness in our body. We could war against racism. We can war against oppression. We can war against discouragement or depression. Those are principalities in high places, and they need to come down, right? Because Jesus is so much bigger than all of that, that, that junk that's just less than his kingdom. So we felt so encouraged by, by just watching Lois just be, be a warrior, and she reminded me so much of what it meant to, to not need to understand everything and not demand that that I need to get why that happened, that I need to understand everything. Instead, 
he's been highlighting, like tonight I was just feeling it so profoundly, the, the power of worship to shake strongholds and to rebuild dreams and to shake, to shake physical sickness off our bodies. Man, I, I, I felt like even someone here, there's something with your ear, your left ear, and that is getting shaken off because Jesus is so good. He's so good. Man, and we don't have to understand what is going on in the cells of our ear if that happens. We could. That'd be amazing. But kids don't always need to understand everything. And in fact, I've been, I've been so struck by how Lois, our daughter, she's two, when she tries to understand something, like say it's a big Lego model that's like really intricately built, and, and maybe, like, maybe I put six hours into building that thing, right? If she wants to understand it, like a grown-up might like go to the instruction manual and like, oh, like how was this put together, right? And we sort of stand back like, how, did, how does a two-year-old understand that Lego model? Right? It's like full contact sports, right? <laughs> it's like their whole body. <laughs> Kids experience stuff by, by diving like headlong into it and exploring. And I think that is what intimacy with the Father does for us in warfare, is it allows us to just dive in, experience his presence. Sometimes we come out with intellectual understanding, revelation, that's amazing. Sometimes we just feel our hearts at peace in a way that we can't quite explain. That is also amazing. <laughs> Other things, other things that, as I, was, as I was just reading Psalm 8, we'll get to all of it in a minute, and I won't go too long, so I want to get back into worship. Um, so that's way, that's amazing. <laughs> um, some things that, that kids bring that I feel like the Lord is showing me to warfare um, is that their comfort is not in understanding. That kids are naturally under authority in a beautiful way. The kids know how to look closely at things, like even read what you guys just read, verse three. Like when I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained. Whoa, like kids, are, they let you see the world. It's like a Hallmark card, but it's so true in totally new ways. When they look at like a leaf and they're like awestruck, <laughs> it's hard not to realize that that leaf is awe-inspiring and that God knit that thing together. <laughs> They know how to look closely. They intuit that everything is created just for the joy of it. God created us and the earth and the it's like all oh, just because it's the overflowing of God's goodness. They interact boldly with closed doors. Like a kid throws open a door, right? They don't like analyze what's behind it or listen to it first, right? They, they just go. Um, and when I say kid, I'm mostly talking about toddlers since that's all I know about. <laughs> Man, they are immersed in, in radically illogical extremes. <laughs> Words like all or everything, there's this thing that, that Lois and I made this afternoon, uh, like all or everything, always, forever, these are all over scripture, but these, these are also, I just wanna put these out there like proclamations. They're all over scripture and that is like how Lois thinks, like in these terms. They express their emotions super honestly, but they don't sacrifice the truth that they're loved on the altar of their feelings. Like Lois can melt down because we are out of cookies. And her emotions are real, just like David's in the Psalm when he is just like saying it like it is, like there are people trying to kill me. This is terrible, right? Like he says it in so many Psalms, but Lois doesn't, doesn't start questioning, as far as I can tell, that we love her. Like when I come home from work the next day, even if I was the one who took the cookies away, she's like, 
Like she knows she's, wow, so she doesn't sacrifice the truth that she's loved. What if we did that on the altar of our feelings? They don't know how to compromise. <laughs> and in, in some beautiful ways, some that are being refined, of course, in all of us <laughs> as we grow out of childhood, but they're, they're really impatient. I would love to have more impatience with injustice. I would love to have more impatience with sickness. And also, they don't, they don't dwell on or sometimes even recognize the possibility of failure. <laughs> like, that's faith. We brought this table home last night, and it, the top wasn't on it, so it's just, there's just a rail. And uh, so like a balance beam that high off the ground. And Lois like, wanted to get up on it. So I was holding her, and she was like really skillfully like walking along this thing. And she did not seem at all concerned with what would happen if she fell down. That was not even a thought. It's like, I'm on this thing. I'm walking from here to there. Total, like Peter walking on the water. That is so beautiful. I watched that, and I was like, oh my gosh. I, I am not like that. <laughs> but I should be. So there are a couple of those that I, I want to get into just a little deeper, and I'm watching the time. No, don't be at all. It's so, this is so good. <laughs> Man, on that, on that unreasonable in this subject of all these words, um, I want to do this thing really quick. This might be cheesy. Sorry if it is. Uh, so I've taken these questions from the Psalms. If we could um, all just get ourselves into the character of three or four-year-old us, Really, my brother's an actor. He does weird stuff to get into characters, so just like sit for a second. Three-year-old you, go. Okay, so a room full of three-year-olds. I'm gonna ask questions. Most of the answers are actually on that thing. Um, you know the answers. When I ask the question, if you just shout out the answer, right? How much of the earth is the Lord's? Oh. Yeah, louder, go, go. For how long? <laughs> how many of your sins does he forgive? How far away will he remove your transgressions from you? <laughs> Whatever. So far away. <laughs> how many of your diseases does he heal? Man, how many of your forgiven sins will he remember? None. Nothing. He's forgotten them, so we don't have a right to remember them and dwell on them and feel guilty. He said they're done. <laughs> Where will he be exalted? Everywhere. Places we can't even imagine, like dimensionalities we can't imagine. How many of the grains of the sand on the beach represent his thoughts towards you? Oh. <laughs> Every single one. Oh my gosh. This is, this is like how kids think, I think, <laughs> as far as I can tell from my two-year-long study. <laughs> how many moments of the day should we pray and offer praises to God? Oh. <laughs> All of them. Yeah, and how long has the Lord loved you? It's like incomprehensible. Like before you knew you were you, he already loved you. Yeah. Yeah. Whoa. <laughs> Try to understand that. It's like impossible. <laughs> and I love understanding things. Like I'm a, I'm a professor. I love to understand. But I also love yielding and experiencing. So Lois, I'll keep using her as an example, but think about when I say Lois, this is like, this is like, you, right? Like how the Lord wants us to war. She doesn't really know about compromise. She can't comprehend that it's possible to have a, not to have a full experience of joy at every moment. <laughs> and actually, 
she even is super impatient with the laws of space and time and matter that seem to bind us. I'm persuaded that she was in the Father's presence in heaven more recently than I was. So she probably remembers more of maybe a space where those laws apply differently than they do here. <laughs> I think that comes out, like today, she, we were inside and um, she wanted to go outside. She says, IDD, 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 she wants to go outside. So we go outside, she, go, inside. she wants to go inside. She wants to be at both places at the same time. And like here I'm the grown up, like, well now, young lady, that's not quite reasonable. You can't occupy both spaces with your body at the same moment. She does not care, <laughs> right? She wants to eat cookies and be in the bath and have her giant car in the bath. It doesn't fit in the bathtub. She does not care. <laughs> like that thing has to be in the tub. Like there are laws of space and time, whatever. Abigail's testifying. <laughs> Man. <laughs> the question I have just been rocked with is, if we are in Christ, that language is pretty literal in Paul's writing. We are in Christ. And Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father. And we worship then from heaven to earth. We're seated in heavenly places with Christ. How impatient should we be with what seem to be the constraints of whatever that are around us? I'm not saying we just be crazy and try to do everything that God doesn't tell us to do. But I am saying that when, when the Lord speaks to us and challenges us with something that's beyond our level of faith, we should be more, I should be more willing than I am. Maybe you guys are amazing at this, sorry. I should be more willing than I am to be like, wow, that, that person is in a wheelchair. I feel like I'm being prompted to go pray for them. Can I actually respond with faith? And the kind of faith that Lois has when she genuinely seems to believe she can have her body in two spaces at the same moment. <laughs> wow, like I don't, I don't always do that, but what if we did? What if, this is like a lot of what if questions. Sorry. <laughs> I heard someone say recently that there's no, there's no depression in heaven. There's no discouragement in heaven. There's no systemic oppression of human beings in heaven. So why should we put up with those things on earth? Last week, we um, put a crock pot on in the morning. And this just like, this just rocked me. Um, not the crock pot, the next thing. Um, so we put it on, I, I turned it on and went to work. I thought it was, it was on, but it was in between first and second gear, so it wasn't doing anything. Um, so three, three hours later, I get this text from Wonderful Dottie, hey, the crock pot has not been on for three hours. It has chicken in it. It's probably not safe. So we lost our, our dinner. Um, so I responded with, that's okay. We can do, we'll, we'll, we'll figure something else out. And then the Lord just like, just <laughs> like threw this thing in front of me. Like, you should be less patient than you are with the fact that there are people in your city who if that happened to them, they could not just like, whatever, go get another dinner. That like broke me. <laughs> and I was way too patient with it. Like, oh yeah, that's just the reality of, no, <laughs> I need to be less patient with what seems intractable in the world around me and see more from heaven's perspective. And in heaven, there is no lack. So why should I be patient with lack on earth? That affects the way that I would do everything from pray, war, to like actually physically doing stuff like, 
like, like giving food away. It would affect the way that I do that. It should. <laughs> Lois just doesn't submit to the, this, this God that I have, little g God of, of human reason. She hasn't learned it yet. <laughs> and it is so amazing. I, all the time, I demand cheap explanations for why something happened that maybe I was deeply interceding for, and maybe I didn't get the answer that I was, I was desperately hoping for. What do you do in those moments? I think everyone here, who knows that, right? Like, you can raise your hand. Man, I always demand these, like, I want to know why. And what's so amazing about childlike warfare is that it doesn't, it just worships. Like, what if we just went to the throne room and allowed the presence of God to reorganize us as he can reorganize us? That is not reading a self-help book. That is like encountering the God who spoke and you existed. <laughs> wow, and if he could speak a new liver into you, like, he could speak hope back into you. <laughs> or your first liver, he spoke that too. So what's the solution? We live in this conflict, right? And David is all about this in the Psalms. Like, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna open to like a random Psalm, right? <laughs> wow, I said, I will guard my ways that I may not sin with my tongue. So he sinned with his tongue. David's saying, I've sinned with my tongue. That's not heaven, <laughs> right? Like I did that probably 10 minutes ago. <laughs> That's out of line with the reality of heaven or sickness can be out of line with the reality of heaven or depression or Systems that are broken and hurting human beings can be out of line with the kingdom of heaven. What do we do when we're in that tension between what we know God to be speaking, which is a new kingdom coming to earth, and what seems to be the facts around us? I think, I think the solution is, is truth. And here's why to me that has mattered so much, is that truth in scripture is not like an idea, it's a person. That Jesus says, I am the truth. Come to me. Jesus says, come to him. And he is the truth. What does that do? It, it takes it, the weight, like Amanda was, was prophesying, it takes the weight off of us. I don't have to carry that thing. I can work super hard to right a wrong, but I don't have to carry it because I know that, <clears throat> that I, am, I am under the feet of the Lord. Yeah. And I need to sacrifice my right to have a truth, little t truth, that I can simply understand and instead run into the arms of, of him because he is the truth. Chris Vallotton talks about different levels of truth, which even he argues exists scripturally, that, that judgment and the law, as in the old covenant, those are truths. And those come out like in the book of Job, right? Like that's an old covenant. And those are judgment, the law, those are truths. If I, if I sin, things come back at me. That is a truth, but the Bible says that mercy triumphs over judgment. So there's a, there's a deeper truth in this newer covenant. There's a truth, and then there's a deeper truth, deeper, better, bigger, more amazing truth that mercy triumphs over judgment. In whatever situation we're in, and when we go back into worship in a minute, I'm going to actually ask you to just take something that, that you have not yet felt the Lord's hope on, that you've been discouraged. Maybe, maybe it even seems like a done deal. And place that in front of you and worship Jesus at it. Worshiping Jesus leads us to encounter with him, and that is 
an encounter with like the bigger truth. skip a couple things. <laughs> worship, I think, worship, I think, should cost us something. Like in the Old Covenant, and this, this matters, you would come to the temple with a sacrifice that cost you something, like an animal that would have been food for your family next week. And you'd, you'd come into the temple and you'd, you'd like give that, or you'd give money. We still do that. We give something away all those sacrifices still mean something. And here's another one that means something. If I sacrifice my need to understand my own discouragement about something, and I worship anyway, man, that, that is, we need to worship with that kind of sacrifice, I think. I think walls will start breaking way more often if we do that. Because worship, like Jericho, worship is warfare. And what does it mean to do that with a childlike kind of irrationality? I love this, that, that um, gates, doors, are associated with praise in Scripture. <laughs> Here are just two, just two instances. This is from Psalm 24. Lift up your heads, O gates, and be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your head, O gates, and lift them up, O ancient doors that the king of glory may come in. Who is this king of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the king of glory. Here's another from Psalm 100 about gates and worship. It says, enter his gates. I want to back up <laughs> one verse. It's he who, who has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Remember, a killer sheep. Right? Like we battle against something. It's not flesh and blood. It's not our neighbor. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and enter his courts with praise. So gates here, but also there's some, uh, catch me after if you want more. A lot of places where gates are associated with worship. I learned, I learned from Bill Johnson that in Revelation, he points out when the new Jerusalem comes down, big cube, very rational, by the way, like understanding, right? Like cubic. When this new Jerusalem comes down, with a, a deeper kind of logic than I can, I can get to <laughs> by reading a lot of books, I love books, <laughs> that those gates are made of pearls, a single pearl. It's very childlike also. Like, the gate is made of, of a single pearl, and it says it's open all day. <laughs> like, all day, right? <laughs> How childlike, all the time. Bill Johnson points out that those gates being made of pearl is super significant to him because pearls are formed by conflict and irritation. Like a grain of sand gets into a, an organism and then a pearl forms around it. Like what if that grain of sand is that disappointment that's so deep that you've been feeling, that, that what if, that thing that I can't quite get to faith for yet? And what if I allow the Lord to build a pearl around that? That's a gate of praise. I've opened up a gate in the wall that, I, that was put up between me and God to prevent intimacy with him. That gate it made of a pearl opens all day that the king of glory may come in. Who is this king of glory? The Lord God, strong and mighty, who fights on our behalf. Like, that is unreal. Like, put that in the face of the thing you're discouraged by. It shrinks really fast. <laughs> Man. 
or the bigger plan becomes apparent. I, I'm, I'm really optimistic by nature, and um, I've been told annoyingly so sometimes. Um, but I also give into a ton of fear. And um, sometimes I get really tired trying to maintain, when I, when I do try to maintain it, I strive. Like Amanda told us, the Holy Spirit was saying not to. I strive after being optimistic. And that sort of works, right? Like, who's done that? Like, what does it do for you? Not nothing, right? Like, it puts you in a good mood. That's totally cool. Our emotions matter. But did you write that song, Let My, I'm Gonna Worship, Let My Feelings Follow Me? Yeah, Amanda wrote that song. That is right on. Going past just maintaining optimism to a place where I'm dependent on the one who carries truth and hope, who is truth and hope, and where intimacy with encounter with him and worship and prayer, locking yourself in a closet, just getting rocked while you walk to work, where intimacy with him rejuvenates your strength. That is a kind of optimism that's way beyond anything that the most optimistic of us here could drum up on our own. That's like a radical antidote to fear also. These are my... <laughs> Man, I think I'm going to share one more thing, and then can we go back into worship? Okay, do you guys want to start coming up, actually? I heard recently that, that our measure of spiritual authority that we use in warfare is equal to our intimacy and worship. I think that's a deep truth. <laughs> and the Lord's been unpacking it for me through scripture, that our, our level of spiritual authority over the kingdom of darkness is often an equal weight to our intimacy with the Father. That's beautiful because it takes the responsibility off of us to be like strong people. We just, we just go to the Father and that increases, like that bar goes up, our, our, our authority goes up. There are so many scriptures here, if you want to write them down. These are, these are amazing scriptures about authority. Matthew 28, 18, Luke 10, 19, 2 John 1, verse 9, 2 Corinthians 2, verse 9. You could even read these during worship if you want. Matthew 16, 15 to 19, Luke 9, verse 1, and 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 5. Those all deal with authority as does the one I'm going to read. When you read those together, it gives you a picture of being under authority, increasing your authority. It is a deep paradox, and it happens in worship. Matthew 18, 4, Jesus says, whoever then humbles themselves like a child, he is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. <laughs> Man, that's backwards. <laughs> it's so amazing. And when you're under authority, like us being under the feet of Jesus, placing ourselves there joyfully at his feet, we get to operate in that kind of authority. Kids are amazing to watch that way. The way that they know they're under authority, like they know if they ran the wrong direction, like towards the road, you could like pick up their body and move it to the place, you know, like think about that kind of lack of agency, right? You're definitely under authority if very easily someone can move you from without trying. That's, that, we haven't experienced that in a long time, probably most of us. <laughs> That's under authority, but they know their freedom, and they know they're loved. 
So while well, well, these guys start playing, if that's okay, um, get that thing that you're, that you're discouraged about, that you've suffered disappointment over, or you are suffering disappointment that seems too big. Even if you want to, this is like cheesy, but even if you want to write it on a piece of paper and put it on the floor in front of you and stand on it, while you worship, I'd encourage you to do that. It's like a, we do things physically, and that sometimes creates breakthrough spiritually. I want us to be unreasonably praising God, like beyond, above our reason and need to understand. So whatever that thing is, it could be in your life, it could be something societal that you just feel this burden for right now. Jesus, as we start singing, we place ourselves under your feet, under your authority. We know you can move us. You can, you can shake us up. You can change our emotions. You can change the reality that we're in the middle of. We place ourselves at your feet. And even if something's over us, it's now under your feet. We don't have to earn being more than conquerors. Jesus, we just declare, stretch out your hand like left and right without hitting people. You can do it subtly. You just pray with me out loud if you want. Jesus, we just declare victory. Wow, we, we, just, we just declare striving is crumbling. It's so small. Jesus, we release your spirit over the thing that the person to the left and the right of us is praying for. Jesus, we declare your breakthrough which is way bigger than our breakthrough, way more radical. Jesus, depression has to leave in Jesus' name. We're seeking intimacy with you. Jesus, systems that have oppressed people need to start breaking. They are smaller than you. Jesus, sickness needs to start going. It is smaller than you. Wow, Jesus. <laughs> wow. We just commit just in the next 10 minutes, our worship... Is, is defiant of circumstances and, and childlike warfare. It's unreasonable.